Redeeming Memory on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to have with me my new friend, Matt Rare. Matt's an emergency medicine physician in the Bay Area. He graduated from Baylor College of Medicine in Texas, and he moved to the Bay Area for residency in 2008, where he and his wife, Kara, have lived ever since. Matt and Kara have been married for 18 years and have three children. Matt serves on staff and as an elder at his church, North Creek Church in Walnut Creek. He's the author of Redeeming Memory, which we'll talk about today, and he contributed a chapter on dementia for the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. Brother, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for your work and your mind and heart for the Lord Jesus, which our listeners are going to hear about today. So thank you for being with me. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Dale. I'm looking forward to talking back and forth, having a conversation about memory. I'm so grateful for your influence, the the many other physicians that we have as a part of our organization here at ACBC. And we want to be wise on these types of issues. You've taken a personal interest in this topic of memory, which I think is, is, you know, a really important cultural topic. And I love the way in in the book that you approach this, uh, wanting to deal accurately with the, the science, but also seeing that the Bible has a lot to say about this issue of memory. And so I want us to get into this if if we can. I think it'd be helpful for our listeners maybe who haven't seen the book or picked the book up. What what inspired you or what, what gave you interest in this topic of memory to begin with? Yeah, this wasn't really on my radar until about 17 years ago, uh, which now feels like a long time. But uh, at that time, my mom, dad, two sisters were driving down to help us move. I was in the first, just to finish my first year of medical school. And on that trip down from Amarillo, Texas, they got into a car accident that ended up being fatal for all four of them. And so if you can imagine, you're sitting there waiting for them to come, they don't show up. And I ended up calling 911 at some point, trying to locate them and finding out about this accident. And it was incredibly dramatic. It was the worst day of my life. And what I found at that time, the Lord was really gracious. He was right there with me. In fact, uh, the words that I I essentially fell into in scripture was Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven besides you? And I remember pausing on that crying and going like, but I've got more people in heaven now, right? So the book took me a long time to get to write because I had a lot of thoughts that needed to get worked out from that moment of going through that car accident with my family. And what became a, a, a kind of an interesting recurrent theme for me was the desire to remember them and the fear of not remembering them, like that I was losing that. And then also thinking, why did God leave me on this earth? I could have been in that car accident. But then thinking, well, I need to be remembered. Like, what do I need to do that's going to be so important that God left me here? Does God have great things for me? In some ways, that's true. In other ways, it's very off-centered. Self-centered, so that's how the topic started to rattle around in my brain initially. Um, was just through that event, and eventually, what I did was I just went to scripture uh, and looked to see what God had to say. I, I confess, in reading the introduction, I, I wept reading that story. I just what what a devastating thing as you that story unfolds and the flood of emotions that would happen. And uh, I think you set it up well. And I'll encourage you. I mean, 
Matt, you're a wonderful writer, and I really enjoyed looking through the book. But but as we're talking about memory, uh, somebody say, you know, it, it fluctuates. Maybe it's more stable than what we think, or or maybe it's not so stable depending upon your age. Why would we consider memory so important? Yeah, I think in researching and, and thinking about this topic, one way to think about how something is so important is to take it away. And so if you do not have memory, if you lost your memory, what would life look like without memory? And in some ways we have pictures of that. If you've ever been with a family member or someone with dementia, you start to see what it looks like and you essentially lose your moorings in life. You lose the ability to have relationship because you don't remember the person. You don't remember their name. You don't know anything about them. You lose things that identify you as you uh, because you forget things like what's your favorite thing to eat or what you enjoy in life. And so as those things get taken away, it eats at your identity, really. And so memory lands in such an important space because it is a marker of identity for who we are and how God made us. I like the way that you're shaping that. And and I've heard it said that, you know, when we took think about our past events and our memories of those events. It's not so much the past event itself, but the way we remember it in the present. And the power of our memory creates a reality, whether it's good or bad, it creates a reality. But but let's talk about this because we're, we're fallen human beings. We're certainly flawed. There's no question about that. What are some of the ways that, that memory fails? Because truly, if these thoughts create a reality, that's pretty significant for us as human beings. So So how do they fail? Yeah, with memory, there's really two categories for it. One is just, and and both are a result of the fall. One is that just naturally your memory fades over time. That's something called transience, where you remember things very well right when they happen and then you lose them over time. And so that would just be natural. But then there's also a moral depravity that plays a role in memory, where you shape memory based on what helps you. So very self-focused ways that we create memory and hang on to them. And if you want an example of that, it pops up in conflict a lot with you and your spouse, and you will hold on to the things that would buttress your case and you start to forget everything that doesn't. And that's just how memory works. It's self-serving because it has a moral component to it and it it fails in a number of of different ways that kind of outline the book with bias and the ways that we recall things. And that leads to things like shame and regret and bitterness and, and different ways that, that it really results in, in moral failures. Uh, that's really helpful. And, and you mentioned this, but you, you root in the beginning of the book, uh, this whole idea in the fall. And I, I think that's a really important place for our listeners. That w- when you're thinking about a topic, it's, such, it's so important for us to root these things in the scriptures, uh, which I appreciated so much of, of how, you, how you did that. Now, now talking about the book itself, when writing the book, you know, as an author myself, you learn a ton when you're researching, you learn a ton when you're writing the book, as you're fleshing out your thoughts and trying to be articulate on a subject. What are some of the things that impacted you most as you worked on this book? I think it was surprising to me that one of the areas that was the most impactful to me was the memory language around the covenant and the cross, and particularly the language that the Bible uses to describe what happens at the cross, that it really is a transaction of memory and that we need all sides of it to take place. So for example, every single sin that you've ever committed has to be remembered by God. It has to be accounted for because the devil accuses you of each of those things, right? 
and would win if none of them recovered. So everyone has to be remembered at the cross. Each one has to be nailed down to the cross. On the other hand, there's this sense of forgetfulness that the language of new covenant says, I will remember your sins no more. So each must be remembered, be paid for, and then each must be forgotten in a way. So when Christ paid for it on the cross, he was forsaken by his father, a deep memory language word, which is a is not just a simple forgetfulness, but forsakenness means turning your face away, going into oblivion, being forgotten in a, in a deeper sense. And so that was the, the transaction that first occurs at the cross. And then meanwhile, this all culminates in the ultimate act of remembrance, which is the resurrection, that Christ didn't stay dead, that he was raised from the dead and gives us life. And so all of that memory transaction that happens at the cross was just really deeply impactful because at first, when you're just thinking about memory, you, you just aren't going there. When you go to the scriptures and realize, oh, there's like 200 references to remember, and many of them have to do with salvation and redemption, it changes your viewpoint. Yeah, that language, even beginning in the Old Testament, remember Deuteronomy 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Do not forget, he repeats over and over and over again. So there's something significant about reminding ourselves relative to the truth of what you've just described. So important in the New Testament for our justification, which is so critical, and that motivates us to then to then live toward God. Now, that's an important idea for us, living toward God. So, so what are some of the tools in your mind that help us reorient memory towards God? Yeah, in the end, like we were saying, in the fall, what happens is that you remember the things well that you should forget and you forget the things you're supposed to remember. And then when you go to God, you think God's forgetting the stuff he says he's going to remember, such as his promises, and that he's remembering what he promised to forget. It all gets skewed and, and messed up. So the tools that he gives to get that back to its right orientation first starts with the Holy Spirit. And then he uses things like his word, like the conscience. Um, one that just struck me, and I think this is just my science background, is I love creation. And I was struck by this kind of dual nature of the way that God uses creation to help us remember him rightly. One is all of us do this when we are looking up at the sky and the stars, you feel very small. The, the expanse of the stars or the expanse of the ocean, those things make us feel small. And so God uses his creation to remind us of our smallness. And then he flips it around and says, wait, what about the sparrow? I care even about the sparrow. So then he says in creation, you can see the small things and remember that you have value and worth. So even a simple thing like his creation, which he uses to reorient us, works in a dual way where you're reminded of his greatness and your smallness, and then you're reminded of the small things around you and that you have worth. And so God uses all these tools. There's many others, his written records. I talk about too, just uh, your senses and the cues of your senses and how he can reorient you so quickly at the Lord's table. Uh, back to remember him well at the table. So there's just he's been so kind to us to give us so many ways to help us reorient back to him and remember him well. Yeah, I love that. And and a daily reminder, a daily dose of that would be just so helpful for us to keep things in perspective. I want to shift gears a little bit now. I want to talk a little bit about memory as it relates to suffering. So many times when we think about suffering, memory almost feels more pressured, more skewed to some degree. It is memories that sometimes drive the depth of suffering. And so I want you to to sort of place memory into this idea of, of suffering or the role that it plays in suffering. I think with suffering, 
your brain actually cooperates really well here because you activate the amygdala and really cement very high level emotional events into your memory. doesn't mean they're accurate, but you cement them. And what happens then is that becomes a major life event that does shape you and potentially shapes you in the future and how you look back on it and reflect on it. So for me, the obvious one would be, well, how did you kind of look back on the car accident that took your mom, dad, and your sisters? And I'll tell you that the year that that happened versus where I'm at now, 17 years later, it looks a lot different. My reflections look different. But the ability to look back and see God's hand and his providence and his grace grow ever more as you are able to put it into context. And I think with suffering, a lot of times the thought can be, well, I don't want, I just want to forget it. I just want it to go away. And God actually doesn't command us to do that. That's, that's actually not how he suggests we deal with tra- traumatic events or with difficult memories. It's that, no, you actually remember them, but remember them in a redemptive way and rightly. And so the ultimate example here that would be easy to pull is Joseph, because Joseph goes through incredibly traumatic events in his life. And only as he kind of works his way through those things, do you see his response at the end, which he then is able to, to give a perspective. You meant these for evil, like the things that were hard in my life that have caused me suffering, you meant those for evil. But now he's able to say, but God meant them for good, which is using his memory of those events and shaping them to give God the platform to perform what he does, which is through his grace. He, he uses those traumatic things. That's why God is God. Yeah, I, I, I think of Psalm 46, to be honest, that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. What brings weight and gravity to God being a refuge is the depth of our suffering and how we remember that. And as we run to the Lord, we experience how deep of a refuge he is because of the level of, of suffering. And, and it, it does change the way that we deal with that suffering. Now, you mentioned the idea of our memory being redeemed. So I want to dive a little bit more into that if we can to talk about some of the particular fruits that we might see as it relates to a redeemed memory. The fruit of redeemed memory really sounds a lot like the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the end, because what God is doing through your circumstances and in your refinement through the things that you go through is producing and maturing a believer. One of the, the fruits that just ties right into what we were talking about in suffering is really comfort, because redeemed memory can move from something that where memory can turn from turmoil, like it's being used against you to then when it's redeemed, it actually serves as a comfort. And I think in the book, I use the terms like it goes from a millstone to a milestone, meaning it's it's weighing you down. The same memory can be flipped into an opportunity to actually be a faith marker in your life. And one of the best examples of that is Jeremiah in Lamentations 3. He's in chapter 3, and we we like to skip to the end. But what he's doing in the first part is laboring over the turmoil he's in over the nation, the suffering of the nation and the punishment of the nation. And then it says, as he's using memory language in that, that he's remembering and he's in gall and bitterness, he flips it around and then says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. And what he does is he changes what he focuses on in his memory, the God who is the loving kindness of the Lord never ceases and he uses that memory of God to then change his disposition. Circumstances were exactly the same in that chapter. His mind, though, was able to find its its steadfastness on who God is and his character. Yeah, very well said. And I, I think it 
I want to revisit maybe a, a, a concept that I mentioned a little bit earlier. We, we typically think of, and you, you talked about it in this, in this passage in Lamentations 3, where we typically think of memory as, as revisiting something in the past. And that's sort of where our mind goes when we, when we think of the issue of memory or, or um, thoughts that we've had in the past. But memory is really important as it relates to the future. So, so I want you to sort of flesh that out for me. Yes, this, this was partly a surprise to me as I was thinking through this topic and researching it, that memory applies to the future because it drives a lot of what we value and find purpose in and significance. And that is how we want to be remembered. So how do we want people to enshrine us essentially, or we use the words like legacy or hall of fame, those kind of terms start to come up because the things that we do now, we, we realize they're only done in the present and they will fade away, but how can we keep that memory lasting? And, and we, we do as we put our trust in people and their memories, which then has to be passed on from generation to generation. And it's very unsettling when you start to realize that if that's where you're placing your significance, you're putting it in the wrong spot because those memories for people, I wouldn't trust in them. They just, it doesn't last. Even if you make it a couple generations, by generation three, nobody's going to know who you were. They might know facts about you. They might think you're the greatest of whatever. But in the end, what we are, are finding is that we put a lot of stock in our memory and how people are going to remember us only to, to find out they aren't remembering us in the end anyway. Well, I, first of all, I would say that that sets us right in so many ways. It keeps us from delusion and grandiose ideas about ourselves and, and how much we think about ourselves. It's quite humbling, to be honest. And I think that's a healthy way. But as we think about being remembered and that sort of thing, I want you to give me maybe, and I love the way that you root this in the book and in the gospel and how important the gospel is here. I want you to help me to understand how God thinks about the future and, and God's future remembrance changes your present perspective and attitude. Can you help us with that? Yeah. In the end, if people aren't going to remember you and they're going to forget you, that's clearly not the right anchor for future remembrance. They're the right place to anchor is the one who's eternal and has perfect memory. It's in God because God is going to remember you. That is ultimately what you are trusting and hoping in, that your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so ultimately, if you're putting your hope and trust in something outside of yourself, outside of humanity, into God who you trust, that is going to relieve all the pressure that you feel like you need to do certain things to be remembered or that you need to be uh, accumulating a certain amount of wealth or providing heroic things that you are going to forever be enshrined over, that goes away because God's saying, those things don't matter to me. I know your name. I've called you. You are my sheep. And in the end, my promise to you is that I'm going to remember you um, at that last day. And it doesn't mean that a Christian can't be productive or do things that are significant for the Lord, but their, their mentality and their reasons for doing it have now shifted um, into, I think, a more healthy way, which is I'm just doing it because I love the Lord and I'm putting my treasure in stock in heaven, not on things on earth. Now, what you just described, if our listeners will pay attention, what you just described is so critically important. This is what makes the promises of God unbelievably precious to we who believe in Christ, because God's promises toward us are because he has said he will remember us in Christ. And why is it that in biblical counseling we anchor ourselves to the great promises of God that that becomes truly, as Hebrews 6, 19 says, uh, they, they are the anchor of our soul. He, Christ, is the anchor of our soul. 
what a what an important and listen, Matt. The things that you described today, I think, are unbelievably hopeful, unbelievably helpful. You've done a great service to us in thinking about this issue that that's on a lot of our minds as we think about memory and the organic influences, dementia, and so on that 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 we may struggle with. You've done a great labor here in helping us understand things scientifically, but but never unchaining that or, or untethering that from the scriptures, helping us to see how important it is in the heart of God, in the mind of God, in his word, that's really to to anchor ourselves to him. And so, brother, thank you for that labor. It's not forgotten. We appreciate it. And, and I'm going to recommend that our listeners definitely pick up your book, Redeeming Memory. So thank you for being with us. Thank you, Dale. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, I'm so grateful for our discussion, and I want to point you to Matt's book. I think it's very, very helpful. It's called Redeeming Memory. That'll be in our show notes, and I, I want to encourage you to, to read it. There's so many questions relative to our brains, how our brains function and how they work. And Matt is a good student of Scripture. He helps us to understand memory, uh, the, the physical aspect of who we are, as well as considering our immaterial being, which is such an emphasis in the scriptures. And I want to commend it to you. You know, we have other resources written by physicians. We have, the Lord has blessed our organization with uh, with several physicians who are also certified in biblical counseling. They've written on a lot of different topics like memory. We have so many resources that you can find in our resource library. You'll find those in the show notes and also, as always, at biblicalcounseling.com. <music>